afternoon. Uh, those who don't know me, my name's Adrian. Basically, we always start this way, but that's because I recognise that in any given Sunday, there's always someone here for the first time. And if you are here for the first time, you're really, really welcome. And in terms of what we're about to do, we're about to open the Bible and look at it uh, and uh, kind of see what we can learn and how it can shape our lives. And what we've been doing is we've been in this part of the Bible that was a, a letter that was written by a guy called Paul to a church in an area called Ephesus, but also was for the surrounding area, and therefore it was entitled Ephesians. Um, but what we've done is we've kind of allowing us to understand more of what Paul's trying to convey through this letter is use one title to kind of be a hook that allows us then to kind of navigate our way through this letter. And what we've done is we've entitled it Crafted. It's what we're discovering week in, week out, is that God wants us to understand through Paul that every single one of us has been lovingly made for purpose. And I never grow tired of saying this, I say it every week, but if you're here and you don't know who God is, or maybe you're still trying to navigate, well, what does God look like? Or maybe you're someone who's come and said, well, I used to know God, but I've kind of distanced myself a bit. If nothing else, my hope is that you'll start to have ignited within you this understanding that God isn't one who's looking to get you, but rather is one who's always loved you. And his deep desire for you is that you would know that for all eternity, he has loved you more than you could dare to believe. And for all eternity, he's longing to love you with more than you could dare believe. And in it, then, our desire is as we understand more of that love, and for many of us here, that we understand that we're those that are eternally loved, is that it then causes us to live on in this planet differently. It causes us to understand, therefore, we're here for purpose. And that purpose is to enjoy more of that love and to reveal more of that love. And that's what we're kind of working out week in, week out. And if you're around three Sundays ago, we kind of got to a bit in uh, Ephesians where it's kind of a, a pivotal moment, if you like, the seesaw moment of Paul having used the first few chapters of Ephesians to kind of spell out the reality of this amazing life we have in putting our faith and trust in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, of how it transforms not just our future, but also our now in the life that we get to enjoy. And then he then gets this point in Ephesians 5, verse 21, where he basically pivots it and says, well, this is then to impact how you relate, how you live out your life with others. And the first way it's to impact how you live out your life is within, with each other, within the community, within the church. And Paul writes this, he says in Ephesians 5.21, and we looked at this three weeks ago, I'm not going to suddenly rehash everything I did three weeks ago, but it will help us for what we're going to look at. If you weren't here three weeks ago, please can I plead with you, go online, theoasischurch.com, and listen to this talk because it will do you good, because it explains something of who we're trying to be and what we're trying to do as a community. But Paul writes this, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And that... There's no kind of ducking around it. He uses some words that are hard to hear. So he uses the word submit. That's not a popular word within our culture. And yet it's because actually we've forgotten what was originally, was originally meant by this word. And Paul kind of paints this vivid picture through this, which we examined a few weeks ago, of what is meant by submission. And what we discovered is this word submission is all about lovingly, considerately self-giving. And that what we're seeking to be as a community and working out what it looks like to follow Jesus together is saying well, what we want to be is those individually who are seeking to love considerately of others and then giving ourselves for others. 
understanding that others are then going to do the same for us. And then we looked at it and said, well, that isn't the whole of the verse. It isn't that we live that way so that people can come around us and say, man, this is a really nice community. You're just nice people. It isn't that we're trying to build some sort of utopian communism that we looked at a few weeks ago. It's rather that we do it out of reverence for Christ. And that reverence means that it's all about seeking to have a view of who Jesus is and be in awe and wonder of him and then live out of the reality of who he is towards others. And so if you like, we got to this point a few weeks ago of this uncomfortable truth of saying actually how we treat others reveals how we see Jesus. Or if you like, how we honour others reveals how we honour Jesus. And what I want us to do now is what we're going to find is that Paul now kind of gets hold of that aspect of what it looks like to honour Jesus through the relationships that we have and kind of starts to kind of hit home and apply it more. Having kind of done it generally amongst us as a community, he kind of now plows into more detail and says, right, now I want us to understand, and we're going to be looking at this over the coming few weeks, of what it looks to, like to honour Christ, Christ in different relationships, in different life settings. And so we're going to be looking at what it looks like to be honouring of Christ in marriages. What it looks like to be honouring of Christ in family life. What it looks like to be honouring of Christ in our workplaces. And Lucy and I were meant to be starting off this kind of little mini-series looking at honouring of Christ in these different settings today on marriage. And as you can see, Lucy isn't actually here. Um, She was here at the first meeting, but then... Childcare means that she needs to be at home to look after children. But at this point, we were meant to be speaking about honouring Christ in marriages. And we were due to kind of plan that on Thursday morning. We'd both had a bit of time before then to think about what we were going to do. And we met Thursday morning, and the conversation basically went like this. Both of us said, I don't think we should talk about marriage this Sunday. At that point, I've learned if both of us are saying the same thing, that's amazing. And it's worth taking note. (laughs) And what we both said is, it feels like before we can talk about this, we need to look at another aspect of life. Another aspect of how life gets worked out. And what we felt is, as we talked, we said, actually, before we look at marriage, we need to look at singleness. And we felt, actually, there was a need Though Paul doesn't address it in Ephesians, literally goes from here, submit yourselves one to another, to wives, some instructions for you. He doesn't put singleness in there. Elsewhere, we find that there are instructions both from Jesus, who is God, about singles, and from Paul himself about singles, which we'll go on to look at in a few moments' time. But at this point, as Lucy and I talked, we just felt like God wanting us to stop and pause and say, actually, we need to just take a moment to value and share how highly we esteem singleness. And if you like, that's what we're going to do today. Share how we value and highly esteem singleness as a church community, because we want to reveal what God does. Now, if you're here and you're single, I hope it's going to help you. If you're here and you're not, I hope it's going to help you. Because God wants us to be a community that work out who we are together, and that's what this is about. Now, in it, you could first of all say, well, great, you felt like you shouldn't teach on marriage and you should teach on singleness and you're obviously therefore willing to change your plans. That's good. But Adrian, this is now me obviously talking third person, that weird way I do. um, 
surely it'd be better to get someone who is single to do this. Yes and no. Yes, we will have some people who are single who are going to help us. I've asked uh, Antonio and Paul to help me, and we'll get to hear from them a bit later. I've also, if you'd seen my Facebook status on Thursday, you'd have realised that probably I was up to something. So by lunchtime, as I realised this is where we were going, I was Facebooking everyone I knew saying, hey, Facebook friends, I need your help. Speaking on singleness, what can you help me with? And so loads of people have direct messaged me, which has been really helpful for me in terms of helping structure what we're going to look at. But in it, I felt also it was really important that I did get to teach on this. Because I wanted, one, to show the value that I, we as a church, have in respect to singleness. And two, because I thought, actually, I teach on everything else. Why shouldn't I teach on this? And I thought, you know what? I think I could teach on this in a way that I hope will be helpful, but also will then be earthed through people who are living it, which is what we found in the first meeting, and I'm hoping the same will be true in the second. That being said, though, when you say the word singleness, it's quite a broad spectrum. And I'm not in denial about that fact. You see, when we say single, we can mean a whole host of different things. See, single can mean that we're single and contented. It can mean that we're single and unhappy. It can mean single means widow or widower. It can mean that we're wanting a partner. It could be that we're divorced. It could be that we're separated. It could be that we're asexual. It could be that we're same-sex attracted. It could be that we're questioning our sexuality. It could be that we have children. It could be that we don't have children. And that was just some of the ways that I thought I could band under the heading of single. There is so much more I could add in. And if you like, I need to get right up there straight away and say, the reality is we do not have time to examine every single aspect of singleness and seeking to apply and help in every area. Rather, though, what I think we can get hold of are some principles. I think if we get hold of the principles, will actually help us no matter where we're at. In terms of the life situation of singleness or not, we're going to find that what we look at today will really help us. And the other thing I'd say is, in terms of sexuality, I think it would be a disservice today to try to look into that. Why I think that is because it needs a bit more time than I've got. And therefore, what we're planning to do in September is to give over an evening. Why an evening than a morning? An evening because, one, we can give over a lot more time. And two is that it enables us to have a safe setting where people can ask questions and we can have a bit of a debate. And so in September, we're going to look at the whole area of sexuality. But today, I want to look at how do we then live out honouring of Christ in singleness. And what I want us to start off with is actually in identity. See, in verse 21, I want to look at the end again. It says, how we live out is in reverence of Christ. In other words, in honoring of Christ. See, why we honor Christ is because of the honor that he's given us. See, there's a danger when we start to look at our life situation is we allow how the world speaks and asks questions about us to try and define our identity. Now, to be honest, I can speak about the world, but actually it happens as much within church community. So when you meet someone, you say, hello, who are you? What do you do? And are you in a relationship? Three questions. And in that moment, if we're not careful, what we think is, oh, this is me now being defined. My identity now is in, I'm Adrian. I'm, I don't know what I do. I, don't, I never know what I to give my title. I'm, I kind of, 
around Oasis and paid to do it. And I really enjoy that. And I'm married with some kids. So is that the wholeness of my identity? Well, actually, Paul has spent ages, he's spent quite a few chapters of Ephesians saying, this isn't how we're defined. He's going to continue and say, actually, whether you're married or single, whether, you are, whether you've got children or not got children, whether you are employed or not employed, that isn't where your identity lies. Rather, it's what he's been building through the whole of Ephesians. Actually, our identity, once we've put our faith and trust in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, is in Jesus. And Jesus defines our identity. So from chapter 1 through to 3, you discover that actually Jesus' definition of our identity, once we've put our faith and trust in him, whether we feel like it or not, this is true. And so we find that we're chosen, blameless, shameless, loved, predestined, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, per- have purpose, power, alive by, God, uh, by God's grace, are God's handiwork, are accepted forever, belong, are a dwelling of God and with God. We're free from everything, confident and uniquely gifted. That's the reality. The question is whether we live in that or not. But that is the reality, that our identity now is this. It's not what life situation we're in. It's not what we do. It's not what's governing around us. Our identity is determined by Jesus in his life, death, and resurrection. And what he says about you, what he says about me, is this. The question Paul is posing now and I am therefore standing on his shoulders to do, is to say, are we allowing this identity to shine through the life situation that we're in? Because that's where the rubber hits the road. That's the point of us being here. Because if, if the point of that wasn't, if the point wasn't that we then get to shine through the life that we've got now, actually what would happen is we'd have people vanishing left, right, and center. Because at the moment... They get to put their faith and trust in Jesus, and all of this stuff is true. God then says, well, great, you got it. To me. And we'd look at it, where are they gone? Oh, you know, didn't you hear the plan? No, that's not the plan. The plan is that God gets to reveal the wonder of what his identity in us looks like, being shone through the unique life situations we have, in their brokenness, ugliness, and beauty. In the moments where we think this is the best life ever, in the moments we think this is the worst life ever, that God says, no, I want to pour out, shine out my identity in you through your life situation. And so in terms of singleness, God's heart is that we would be honoring Jesus in singleness through allowing the richness of his identity in us to shine through our singleness. And that is an invitation. Now, what does that shining through look like? Well, I'd say, firstly, it's a shining through reality. Because there's danger at this point. You think, oh, yeah, that sounds quite convincing. Yeah, this is nice. Sunday afternoon, bit of worship, bit of, yeah, Jesus, you're amazing. Bit of Adrian getting a bit overexcited, kind of doing a list of words that sounds excited. Yes, up for this, shining through my life situation. Yeah, I'm single, life situation. Oh, I get the privilege of revealing this. To everyone around, amazing, yes. But we live in reality, don't we? A reality is that that is amazing, and yet it has to be worked through the prism of how we feel. And we've worked through Ephesians to work out that Paul 
is pretty interested in the whole of us as a person. We looked at that whole week, didn't we, on emotions and how we are emotional beings, how God has structured us that way. And therefore, we need to work out how we're not governed by our emotions, but Jesus actually uses them. And if you didn't hear that one, that's another great talk to listen to. Man, this series has been so good. I encourage you, get online, listen to these things. They do us good. I, I listen to them. That's nuts, isn't it? I listen to myself preaching because it does me good. I don't listen to you think, good point, Adrian, you're very good. I listen to you think, God, your word is coming alive in me. But the reality is this, and some of my friends who are single have just so helped me with this. The reality of it sometimes feeling very lonely. The reality of it often feeling misunderstood. The reality of feeling betrayed when other friends who are single suddenly get in a relationship and suddenly everything changes in their world and they forget the person who they were single with. And the single person is just left feeling betrayed. The reality of just feeling very confused of how do I pursue Jesus in light of everything I'm thinking and feeling. The reality of feeling hurt by how others speak to you. That these are the things that real people shared with me. And it isn't we then think, well, let's park that then. All right, you might, you might think that's a reality, but it isn't, is it? Remember, list, amazing, God's got such a great identity for you, just forget that. It doesn't really matter. No, no, we have to say that is a reality. And for some of us in the room, those things and other things are reality of the singleness we're living with at the moment. And what we have to do at that point is start to allow this identity shine through the prism of our reality, which means we have to then start to speak about the reality. Because once we start speaking about the reality, we can then allow God to do something that only he can do. And that's that he can do what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 to 4, is that he can come and be our comforter. I love this verse, or two verses He's talking about who God is, and he says he's the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. Keep saying to me, don't get off track, Adrian, because when I read this, my mind goes tens of dozen, thinking, God of all comfort, who comforts us. The God of all comfort, the one who is the ultimate in comfort, the one who has total control over comfort, the one who originated comfort, the one who is the end of all comfort, is the one who's longing to comfort me, is the one who's longing to comfort you. But he can only ever comfort us if we're ever in the place of reality of saying, I need your comfort. So I have parts in my life where suddenly I think, oh, there's this stuff going on. At the point in which I keep it all to myself, there's no comfort to be found. It's only at the moment where I open up and I say, God, this is how it feels, that God rushes in to comfort me. So you allow this honoring of Christ and our singleness to be worked out as we shine out the richness of our identity through the reality that we're living. And in that reality of what we're living, we then allow God to comfort us. But it doesn't stop there. I'd say then it gets shone out. And how I want to do this is then use this amazing chapter that Paul writes to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 7. And it's a chapter, to be honest, that as the church as a whole, we've tended to kind of lessen to our detriment, of where Paul pens the wonder and awesome privilege of being single. 
See, part of why I wanted to speak as well is because I knew that there would become moments where I had to say sorry. And no one else can do that on my behalf. I have to say sorry. See, there's moments with how we've done church as Oasis that have meant that people who are single think that actually they're not as valuable as others. We've tended to sometimes kind of say, oh, well, there's this trump card. The final destiny of everyone is marriage. And once you've got that, it's everything. And that, that's wrong. That's not how it was. It's not how it is. And I'm sorry if I, we have done that to you. I'd also take it on the chin for other church leaders. For other church leaders and other churches that have just said things that were unwise. Have conducted themselves in ways that weren't how it's meant to be. I'm sorry for how that's happened. Now, at this point, you can say, well, that's fine. You're just saying sorry. Well, if you need more to help work this through, then come and talk to me. Because it's fine for me to say sorry, but the pathway for you then to find forgiveness can be helpful to help talk it through. And I'm more than happy to do that. But anyway, what Paul writes here is he says this, 7-7, I wish that all of you were as I am, that is single, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, which is single, and the other has that, which is marriage. 32, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs. How can he please the Lord? But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world. How can he please his wife? And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. Now, we haven't got time to examine all of this, but I want to draw out just a couple of things. The first one is in shining the light of our identity in Jesus through singleness. Is through that sense of reality, but also the next part is through that prism of value. Paul understood this. Jesus understood this. Therefore, God is his heart. Is there is equal value before God between someone who's married and someone who's single. One of the things that broke my heart through a friend of mine sharing with me is they said the biggest lie they've had to get over as a single individual is that they're not a second-class citizen in the church. Not in the world, in the church. It's just not true. Equal value. If you feel like you don't have equal value. Then let's get a place of reality. Let's allow the, sh- the truth to shine through again. Let's allow the comfort to come. Because the truth is equal value. Can I also put something else to rest here in terms of value? Every single person's destiny in this room, when we finally meet Jesus, if we put our faith and trust in him, is that we will be single. The goal isn't marriage. The goal is singleness fully satisfied by God. Don't believe me? Jesus himself talked about it. Talks about it when he's quizzed about marriage. Someone's trying to catch him out about what it will look like when everything's made new. And they give a cunning situation. A guy gets married to a woman. 
The guy dies. The woman doesn't have any children. So the next member of the family has to marry her. He marries her. He then dies. Then she's passed to the next person. She marries him. They carry on. She dies. Whose husband is she in heaven? No one's because she's a woman. (laughs) You're all getting on you. That's why Lucy does the teaching with me. um, Whose wife is she? No one's. Why, Jesus says, because there will be no marriage in heaven. Why? Because ultimately marriage is this kind of institution that God's designed for intimacy. When ultimately when we see God as he is, actually we don't need anything but him. We will be most satisfied in him. And the goal for every single one of us, whether we're single or married in this life, is to ensure that that's the way trajectory we're going. That our satisfaction is wholly found in him. Because that is all of our destinies. Value. And the last thing I want to say, and then draw some other people in, is that it offers an opportunity. That's what Paul says. There's an opportunity in being single. I'm not dismissing the reality. No, one of my friends talked about that they live continuously with the reality of saying, God, I wish my situation was different. And yet still wholeheartedly with the opportunity of yet, God, you've afforded me this. And then I want to just quickly say, in terms of singleness, I think there's this opportunity of wholehearted devotion. That's what Paul's saying. He said, don't dismiss it. Don't begrudge it. That actually you get to taste now what everyone would taste in the future of this wholehearted devotion. A wholehearted giving yourself over to God. Of intimacy and relationship with him. Of how you use your time, how you use your energy, how you use your finances. I think one of the things that made me laugh is the number of individuals who responded to me who said, hey, do you know what the greatest thing is? My money's my own. (laughs) And they said, and therefore I can give whatever I want. I can be way more generous. I was like, wow. I wasn't expecting that. That in it, there's this devotion. Can I say that with that devotion, there then becomes a model. That a single individual, a single person becomes a model to everyone else. A model of what devotion looks like. The people who most challenge and shape my life are actually singles out of the devotion to God. There are people I rub shoulders with and I hear about their intimacy with Jesus. And it kind of makes me feel very uncomfortable. Because I just think, man, they've got something I've not yet got. I know a number of my friends said, actually, the, the key moments of challenge, yet opportunity can come in that moment where you're thinking about a decision you've got to make. They said, it's just down to you. They said, if you're married, you're going to talk it out with someone. They said, but what it's pushed me to is actually a growing dependency on God. I felt provoked. I thought, wow. I wonder how many times I'm pushing decisions with Lucy that actually I should be saying, let's just go to God. There's a model that's to be had, an opportunity. I'd say it's also an opportunity to build relationships with, of depth. 
of recognizing that relationships of depth aren't just something that's in an exclusive relationship, but actually the whole of the Bible is revealing that we're a family that actually treat each other like brothers and sisters, but good brothers and sisters who honor one another, affirm one another, encourage one another, and seek to stand with one another. And with that, and this is where I'm going to stop because I need to make time. We are going to run on, so sorry about that, to others to share, is that we need to ensure that as a whole community, we're playing our part in this. That as a whole community, we're doing what we've set out this year to do, which is to build breadth and depth, which means that we cannot have any sort of cliques within Oasis. We're a community whose identity is shared in Christ, not in what life situation we're in. Therefore, we build with breadth and depth out of identity and not life situation. Otherwise, I'm pausing. I want to just welcome a good friend, dear friend, Atonia, who's now going to earth and say something that's way more sensible than everything else I've shared. So can we welcome Atonia? Again, my name is Atonia, and you can call me Tony. Everybody knows me. Um, he just said what I was going to say. So good. So good. Um, I once was married, and I got divorced. And I was 22. And about time, about 26, 27, it was over. It was abuse, and it was over. I was young. And uh, I was in California at the time. And I fell on my knees and said, Lord, I am so sorry. I got saved at an early age. I'm so sorry, Lord, that I did this. So I came back to the Lord, and I knew I was supposed to be in missions. So I'm a missionary here in England. And the Lord really just, when the Lord knows that you're coming back, he just gets everything going. Well, by 29, I'm thinking, okay, I can get married again. And, you know, I'm single. But then I started getting spots, little white spots. And I'm like, what is this, Lord? talking to Jesus about it and he's you know you know the Lord he's just doing and he's just allowing me to get this problem and I said I'll never get married now look at me Lord you know I'm talking to the Lord and being rude to the Lord and really rude and my life changed then it, it changed drastically I was in the you know in, in the states in my apartment it's a really big um closet so I would go in the closet and sit for hours Jesus what are you doing and I would talk to him and pray with him and just talk and talk and I always wanted to be a missionary so I was working on that so I'm 29 30 35 I want kids ain't gonna have kids Lord 35 40 I'm not gonna have kids Lord in the midst of this my identity was jacked up I'm like I don't know who I am but someone will tell me you know the Lord yeah the Lord will but he's not a physical guy he's just a you know, he's there, but he's not really there. And one time I was reading in the Bible, and that was the goal in my life, is to read the Bible over and over and get who God was, get a, a relationship more than ever. And what I did was read through the Bible. In First Samuel 1.8, it says that Elkanah, and her, Elkanah was speaking to his wife, Hannah. Why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart grieved? Am I not better than ten sons? And the Holy Spirit hit me. He says, you're rejecting me. Don't you love me? I love you. He says, there's no man in this world will die like I died for you. No man will love you and treat you like a gentleman, like I can treat you. And I'm just crying and crying and crying. And I just kept crying. It's all I did. I complained about being single, just complained and complained. And 
I couldn't have real friends because they were like, oh, here comes Tonya. You know, she's talking about a man. And I, I, I was really bad. I was really, really bad. And the Lord really, he had patience. He had love. And he kept saying, I will walk by a mirror. And he just walked. I wouldn't look at myself in the mirror too much because the color of my face is oh. And I walked by and I just heard the Holy Spirit say, you're beautiful. I'm like, oh, it's you. You know, I knew it was him calling me beautiful. And I said, Lord, I, I, I need a man to say that. He says, well, I am right here. And I would cry and cry. And then he says, you're beautiful. I love you. And then one day, I was in church. And this one little boy, about five years old, came up to me. He was a real terror. I mean, he was like, people were like, you know, keep your kids. He was really bad. He was really bad. He ran up to me. He says, you are so beautiful. I'm like, I was like, oh, shaking. And I said, what you say? I was trying to be rude to a little boy. He says, you are so beautiful. And his mother came over and said, what did he say? And she started crying. I was like, really? She says, he never said that. And I said, that was God. That was God talking to me. Why aren't I listening to what he's saying? So now I am, what, i got to tell you my age. I'm 54 right now. And I'm like, I am, I am not having kids. Okay, and let me say this. Praise the Lord. I'm not having any kids. I love your kids. Hard work, though. Hard work. <laughs> love your kids. So the Lord was showing me in all of this and everything and being single is hard. I've cried and cried and hard. And I said, Lord, I can't accept myself. And the Lord says, your identity is in me. It's not in what these people think because you're going to leave them one day. You're never going to see them again. But guess what? Who's going to be with you sitting at your house waiting for you? He's going to be everywhere, you know, wherever you go. And he's going to be where you left. Jesus is that great. And he keeps telling me, you are worth it. And every time I get a chance to speak to a single woman, a lot of them think they're cursed, they have issues. I'm like, wow, am I that bad, Lord? I was that bad with him. But I wouldn't tell anyone else in, in my crying. I wouldn't cry to people. I would whine, but I wouldn't cry. I just cried to the Lord. And he, as I was reading the Bible, he showed me royal priesthood. You're a priest, Atonia. And the first thing you need to do is look to me. Don't be looking to people because they're, not, they're going to disappoint you. They, and we all know that. And being married before, it's true. You're still lonely. And to me, singleness is loneliness. That's all it is. It's really being lonely, going home, saying, what in the world? And the Lord says, why can't you just be with me at home? It is so pleasant. Now I'm used to it that he's home with me and he's with me that I can... Okay, Lord, I'm hurting right now. I can say anything, but in love. And at one time, the Lord had to make me praise him. I said, I'm not praising you for being single. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. I was rebellious. I was like, I'm not. And then the Holy Spirit. And then we, I'm just trying to talk fast, guys. And then the Holy Spirit really said in my heart, it's like, I am God. And you are my servant. And I'm the clay. And the Lord has really given me this opportunity to say, once you start praising me, your heart will change. And I started praising and praising. And then you praise the Lord differently. When you're single, it's like it's only me and you, Lord. You start praising him, and life is it's better. So now at 54, I realize, one, I'm not having kids. Yes, I would like to get married, but it's like the Lord says, you're my wife. I'm your husband, and I'm the only one. Um, that's going to be with you and marry, be married to you and, be, and, like I said, treat you the way I should be treated. And it also gives me freedom, and this is the opportunity I'm about done. This gives me freedom. It's a freedom. 
I'm free. And it's like, I am so free in who I am, my identity of, it's not what you think, because I, I would never do this with looking like this. I would never do this. But I'm free in him. But also, he was talking about opportunity. My opportunity and all my pain, I can pray now. I can intercede for each and every one of you because I had that pain and I practiced it. And in my closet, now I know what I'm doing. And so the Lord really showed me in my position here, it's a position, an opportunity to step into this position, intercede. And the Lord said to me in my heart as I was pleading with him and other issues, he says, if you pray to me, I will answer you. Pray to me and I will answer you. Step into position, intercede for these people through your pain, and I will answer you. And that's some of it. So thanks. to that. that that says everything Paul let's welcome Paul okay so um, Adrian asked me to talk about some of the challenges and opportunities that you get through being single um, I have spoken before uh, about this sort of thing, so I'm going to try not to repeat myself. But um, I'll kick off with challenges. Let's get all those out of the way. Um, they're not all of them, but some of them. Let's start with the first one. Sex. Always has been a problem. Always will be a problem. <laughs> That's it. Straight, straight. Straight from the hip. That's it. That's it now. <laughs> no. no. Um, I think when, um, when I first got saved, um, this was a, uh, you know, it, it is a struggle, but this, it was a massive struggle. And um, the, the way that I've dealt with it, it's not um, ideal, but uh, the way that I deal with it is just to think, it's going to happen someday. It's not, it's not ideal because it might not, <laughs> but, but but you know I sort of think yeah it will happen someday, and so you know I go through uh, what would be relatively short periods, thinking um, you know if I wasn't saved now I know I'd be crawling the uh, walls, um, and and it just didn't happen, um, and I just progressively just dealt with it in that way, um, just sort of you know. Um, to say to me it's never going to happen is a massive mountain to climb. So I just live with the it will happen one day. So we'll just park that one there, shall we? <laughs> um, the other thing, I'll just put some things down just so I wouldn't forget them. Um, well, I wasn't going to forget that one. <laughs> um, oh, yeah, so <laughs> another... <laughs> another another challenge is uh, just being isolated, I suppose. Uh, I think some of the most um, uh, 
outgoing people of my age can that, that are single in a church environment can find it quite isolating because um, couples have different life rhythms, so it's difficult for them to sync. It's difficult for you to be around when they want to be around. It's difficult for you, you know, it's it's difficult for that whole thing to 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 to, to come together really. And it's interesting because um, I think this is the next because I was, it was at a seminar, a, a catalyst. Yeah, and this issue came up um, in the middle of a seminar. And at the end of the seminar, I asked the speaker the question. I said, what can churches do to resolve that issue, to be able to deal with that, that, that getting people to be more connected? And all the things that he said, I thought, oh, is already doing that. And I was just, you know, we're doing that. But, but there, is one th- <laughs> there is one thing that he said that stuck out. And he said that what you need is you need everybody to... And he said, he said families, but I would say this is for singles as well, for, for them to have their lives to be as porous as they can be, for people to be able to share their lives with each other as much as they can. Um, and it's always, I don't know, maybe it's just me, I've always felt that there's a subtle thing that goes out in the church where um, people, leadership might sort of say to the, to the, to the couples, think about the singles, think about the boys, poor, poor, oh, the singles. Think about be, be careful. Think about them. Invite them in. But then there's a responsibility on the singles to invite the families in, as well. I think, and that's just something that struck me um, as he was uh, as he was talking. Um, I think I I think one of the the, the problems though in in sharing lives is that when you're a single, that the, the challenge is is not to end up by dumping on people because if when you're in a couple you you have somebody you can go and talk to so if you've got issues there's somebody you can talk to it's just you two you share with each other um you you lean on each other so then when you're a single comes out oh, it's ball again <laughs> come to complain about this that and the other you, when you haven't got that in, that can be a challenge a challenge not to um to to uh, press yourself on people's too on people too much with your with your problems i think um and then the other one, which I only just thought about last night, actually. Um, I'm not too sure why this is, but a lot of my close, close, close friends, many of them are not actually Christian. And so there's a positive with that because, you know, you could, people can start to come to learn about the kingdom when you're very close to them. But I wasn't quite sure as to why it is that when I've got a problem, when I've got a big problem, when I go to the phone... There's a one or two that are Christian, but the majority of them are some of my close mates that I've known for years, and those are the people that I go to. So I don't. I think the only way that that resolves itself is through time, I think, and through people sharing their lives over a period of time. That's it's the only way that I can see that 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 one happening. So that's all the challenges. Well, it's not all of them. It's not all of them, but you know, I didn't. Didn't you know what well, what time you know just uh, you know so <laughs> um, ah yes so so we go into opportunities. There's this I always it's it's something again that I just thought recently is that you get the impression that the way that singles and families look at singles that's, that's the way you look at yourself sometimes is that the singles are just like this bunch of free radicals floating through the church like a sea of free radicals around these islands of families. You know, where, where the, the only way that it's all going to happen is if they, they connect with another free radical and they get onto dry land and they know their destiny. 
you know, they say, oh, yes, you've arrived, oh, well done, sort of thing. And it's just, it really, it, it isn't like that. I can say, you know, I can say that it's not like that, and it's, it, yeah, <laughs> sorry. It's um, singleness, it's, it's not meant to be a stopgap on to the next thing. I think I can say that. It's not meant to be that. Some of us will get married, some of us won't. And it's all about expressing who you are and what you are. That's what's important. And it was funny, as, as Adrian was speaking, um, it just made me think that... But, and I don't know whether this... Whether this I'm sure this would have happened if I'd uh, uh, been married, but I had a lot of things stripped away from me particularly over the last few years, so I really have got to know my identity. It, it was still happening this summer, a catalyst just being stripped away, stripped away, and I think it's, it is easier to do that when you're single to some degree, I think, because you're not connected to somebody. And it's also easier, I mean, it's been mentioned before, to, to be able to get intimacy with God as well. You've got the time's your own, you can figure things out, you can do things in such a way that you can be, you know, you can, get, can develop that intimacy. Not that, not that, married couples can't do that I don't want I wouldn't like to think and I don't think this is going to happen that married couples are going to go we've done it wrong we're never going to be intimate we've got to get divorced get divorced get intimate and then get married again I don't I don't think I don't think that's you know <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you need to be worrying about that um, and so yeah I think that yeah, I, the other op- a big opportunity for me, and I used to do these the other way around, although I've got to put them down separately. Is that first of all to talk about submission. Um, Adrian mentioned submission, and I have, I think, very very recently, just been in a position where I just submitted completely to God over something that I really am was very uncomfortable with. I said I really don't want to do this, and I was sort of like face down on the floor in my bedroom, saying, "If you really want me to do it, I'll do it." And that has resulted in me having a dream come true. And it's, the two are connected. So um, they're directly connected because one relies upon the other, really. So that was, that was just... A, I just wanted to mention that in terms of submission. But, but also, was at, at the end of the day, as a single, it's, been given me, it's given me a chance just to pursue dreams in an easier way. So, and that's not... It, there's, there's a whole bunch of things that are just all coming together very, very nicely. And like I said, I'm sure it would have happened if I'd been married, but it's been easier to do it as a single. So, yeah, that's me. Why don't you just shut up, Adrian, and just let them speak for the entire morning? There's a couple of reasons I'm not going to go into in a moment. What I rather want us to hear is these guys are exceptional. Do you know why they're exceptional? Is they only got calls from me, one on Thursday, one of them Friday evening, to say, please, can you help? And even though they were both nervous, they stepped up and said, actually, what I've got, if it can help others, great. And I just want to honour both of them and how they've done that. I think it's brilliant. Um, The second one is just to end with just, like, what then, really? 
is, and I, I do feel like we're, we want to be those that are honoring Christ in singleness. And firstly, we're going to honor Christ in singleness by, if you are single, we honor you. Like the applause that have just been heard for Tony and Paul are for you too. We honor you. I honor you, and I'm sorry where it hasn't been honored in the past. Well, we've not maybe honored it here as we could have done, where it's not been honored elsewhere in church life, but we honor it here. I think the second thing is to earth it and be a bit more uncomfortable. What do you as a single need to do to honor Christ more in your singleness? I want to beg with you, ask you, go away and, and work that out because Jesus is longing to shine through your life. And then lastly, for all of us, can I ask us, what do we need to do in order to help build a community of depth and breadth of what we're talking about? And that means for every single one of us, we're going to leave and live out differently as a result of today.